Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. Hey, welcome to Tipping Point. Boardman, I know you had great worship. Welcome this morning. We're so excited about what God's doing there. And Warren and Boardman, we want to welcome, this is our second week now, we want to welcome the inmates at TCI Prison. You are now one of our campuses. You're meeting weekly and having a believers there right at TCI. Can, can we let them hear it? Let them know how excited we are. Congratulations to each and every one of you guys. We love to hear what God's doing at TCI. Now, before I open up today, um, I just want to let you know what's going to happen next week. I'm going to start a new series next week. And I am excited about it. You know what it's called? You Lost Me at Leviticus. And we are going to have a blast with this because, you know, the book of Leviticus is the third book in the Bible. And many of us Christians, we make commitments to God, you know, New Year's resolutions. We say, we're going to read through the Bible in a year. And we come to Leviticus and it's like, ah. <laughs> and, and we break those resolutions because it can be an intimidating book. But you know what? There are so many incredible things in the book of Leviticus, and we're going to have a blast as we look at the types and shadows and all those things. So that's beginning next week. This week is Tipping Point, and I have the pleasure of finishing it up. I title this lesson, guys, The Survival Decision, because we're one decision away in every area of our life from tipping the scales and, and going in the right direction. And so we're going to talk about a decision I call The Survival Decision. And when I began this series, one of our team members sent me a video and they said, I think this might work. And I watched it and I thought, whoa, I have to use this. And I saved it for the last lesson. It has to do with Yellowstone Park. And it has to do with the fact that they had a 70-year span without wolves. Then they introduced a small family of wolves and the changes that it brought. There's some spiritual parallels you're going to love. But enjoy this video and we'll be right back. One of the most exciting scientific findings of the past half century has been the discovery of widespread trophic cascades. A trophic cascade is an ecological process which starts at the top of the food chain and tumbles all the way down to the bottom. And the classic example is what happened in the Yellowstone National Park in the United States when wolves were reintroduced in 1995. Now, we, we all know that wolves kill various species of animals, but perhaps we're slightly less aware that they give life to many others. Before the wolves turned up, they'd been absent for 70 years, but the numbers of deer, because there was nothing to hunt them, had built up and built up in the Yellowstone Park, and despite efforts by humans to control them, they'd managed to reduce much of the vegetation there to almost nothing. They'd just grazed it away. But as soon as the wolves arrived, even though they were few in number, they started to have the most remarkable effects. First, of course, they killed some of the deer, but that wasn't the major thing. Much more significantly, they radically changed the behavior of the deer. The deer started avoiding certain parts of the park, the places where they could be trapped most easily, particularly the valleys and the gorges. And immediately, those places started to regenerate. In some areas, the height of the trees quintupled in just six years. Bare valley sides quickly became forests of aspen and willow and cottonwood. And as soon as that happened, 
the birds started moving in. The number of songbirds and migratory birds started to increase greatly. The number of beavers started to increase because beavers like to, to eat the trees. And beavers, like wolves, are ecosystem engineers. They create niches for other species. And the dams they built in the rivers um, provided habitats for otters and muskrats and ducks and fish and reptiles and amphibians. The wolves killed coyotes. And as a result of that, the number of rabbits and mice began to rise, which meant more hawks, more weasels, more foxes, more badgers. Ravens and bald eagles came down to feed on the carrion that the wolves had left. Bears fed on it too, and their population began to rise as well, partly also because there were more berries growing on the regenerating shrubs. And the bears reinforced the impact of the wolves by killing some of the calves of the deer. Here's where it gets really interesting. The wolves changed the behavior of the rivers. They began to meander less. There was less erosion. The channels narrowed. More pools formed. More riffle sections, all of which were great for wildlife habitats. The rivers changed in response to the wolves. And the reason was that the regenerating forests stabilized the banks so that they collapsed less often, so that the rivers became more fixed in their course. Similarly, by driving the deer out of some places and the vegetation recovering on the valley sides, there was a soil erosion because the vegetation stabilized that as well. So the wolves, small in number, transformed not just the ecosystem of the Yellowstone National Park, this huge area of land, but also its physical geography. You know, that blew me away from a natural standpoint. Just, I never would have thought that they could have that kind of positive impact on the landscape, but it was amazing. And I've got to hear this over and over, and it's like, whoa, this is absolutely amazing. So I want you to think, first of all, just about the whole tipping point thing. One decision can change the landscape of your life. But here's something else. Sometimes we're walking through these terrible valleys in our life, and we're going through some really tough times, or we're facing this huge giant and we go negative, and here's the thing you want to understand. If you make the right decisions, you can literally come out on the other side stronger than when you went in, and you can change the entire landscape of your life. So bad things aren't from God, but it's amazing to know if we make the right decisions, just like those wolves, uh, it can literally improve every area of our life, and it can knock all the things off of us that need to be knocked off. So that's why I just wanted you to see it. And here's my big idea for this lesson, guys. Um, and I want you to walk out understanding this more clearly than ever. I know a lot of you know this, but I want to make it more real to you. And it's really simple. It goes like this. You are a giant slayer. You are. If you're a Christian, you are a giant slayer. You don't have to grow into one. You don't have to wait to become one. You are a giant slayer. And I want to help you understand how true that is. And these, these decisions we're going to talk about today, I have three decisions. They're really one. They're just kind of, I broke them down for you. Um, all they're doing is releasing the giant slayer inside of you. And you, you are going to love this as we go for, forward. So here's the first decision you have to come up with to just walk in what you are. And it goes like this. Giant slayers know God's with them. And if you can just see that God's with you, you're not facing any giant by yourself, changes everything. Here's a true story. 
when my son Joe, I think it was sixth grade, uh, right around sixth grade, he wanted to go to this five-star basketball camp and uh, pro NBA players were hosting it. And he begged Gina and I, and finally we said, okay. And so he was gonna be away for a couple days. He was gonna stay in dorms at Robert Morris College near Pittsburgh. Uh, he was gonna be in this dorm with another four guys. And then there was a dorm captain who was um, a college student. And I began to just be a little concerned because he had never been away from home. And, and so I gave my, my boys the sex talk, you know, and I had four phases and I had only given Joe the first three. And I thought, I need to give him phase four. I, and I offered my daughters to give them the sex talk, and they opted for Gina. Go figure. I told them, I, I, could, I could do way better than your mom with that. But, so I thought, I better give Joe phase four. And here's phase four. You ready? Phase four is about predators and how 99% of predators are men. And I talked to him about what predators will try to do to you sexually. And I'm just filling them in because I want them to be aware, right? And I said, Joe, a lot of times they'll say, if you say anything, I'll kill your father. And I said, or I'll kill your mom. And I said, don't listen to them. I said, I'll kill them. Don't you worry. You just tell me about it or I'll find someone to kill them. So don't worry. Don't worry a bit. And I just wanted to help them out. But we arrived and here we are at Robert Morris College and there's kids everywhere. And I said, Joe, have a great week. And he looks at me and said, dad, I want to go home. And I thought, you want to go home? You were so excited about it. He said, just take me home. And, I, and, I, and then I figured it out. It was my phase four talk. I gave it to him at the wrong time, right? And I said, Joe, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I stirred fear up in you. So let me, let me bring some confidence back to you. I said, you know what? You're not going in there by yourself. God is with you and God will protect you. And I just gave him this little mini sermon. Then I said, can I pray with you? And I prayed with him and I said, let's just release God's protection all over you. And then he said, all right, dad, I'll go, but walk me in. So I walked him in, we get up to the dorm and his dorm's full of, because it, it was junior high to high school, but it's all, it's all kids his age. So he feels real comfortable now. And he, he could see who he's going to be room with. Dorm captain was just a great guy. So I said, walk me out, Joe. And we're walking out. I said, you're okay. He said, I'm okay. And I really believe the thing that changed everything is just reminding him of this simple truth. Giant slayers know God is with them. And that's what you and I have to focus on. And we have to make that decision. Nothing we're facing are we facing by ourselves. God is with us. And if we can see that, it changes everything. So here's a Bible story. You ready? Um, the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt for 430 years. Can you imagine? That's a long time. Then God delivers them. And God says, I'm going to give you the land of Canaan. It's yours, but you have to go conquer it. You have to take it. And there's, there's really biblical precedents for it because God told Abraham generations before, I'm going to give you this land. But he said, it's, it's not legally, I can't legally give it to you. But then the inhabitants would not repent. They became so sinful that the Bible says the land actually was going to spoo them out and they, God had a legal right. He said, now guys, go take it. So Moses, they're, they're just in the wilderness a short time. He sends 12 spies in, one from each tribe. And here's what he said. It's very important to hear what he said. He said, go take a look at their cities. Tell me how well they're defended. I want to know all about their fortresses. And he said, tell me about their armies. And then he said, check out the produce. Check out the hills and the grazing land. And he said, come back and give us a report. So they come back and they go, you are right. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. They brought some grapes. They said, this is amazing produce. And the pastures are awesome. But then they said, but. And they, they could have told them, hey, they have impenetrable 
walled cities. And they could have gave that information the right way, but they gave it the wrong way. And they told them there's giants in the land and we're like grasshoppers in their sight. And the people of Israel became so upset with Moses that it was like they were going to stone him. And they said, you took us out of Egypt to bring us here to die. We want to go back and be slaves. And they're going crazy. Moses is becoming upset. And then two of the 12 spies, Joshua and Caleb, they came forth. And I want you to notice what they said. And this is where, where, what they understood. It's really powerful. Listen to Numbers 14.9. Oh, do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are but bread for us to eat. The Lord is with us and he has removed his protection from them. Don't be afraid of them. Now, did they say anything about how tough they were? They didn't say anything. We're bigger, we're tougher, we're better. No, these guys were bigger. They were tougher. There were impenetrable cities. Uh, your giants are big. The valley is dark that you might be going through. But that's not what you're looking at. Giant slayers understand God's with us. And can anything take God? Is anything bigger than God? And that's where it all starts. That's when you begin to be released to be a giant slayer. Listen to what the New Testament says to us Christians. Romans 8, 31. When, when, uh, what can we ever say to such wonderful things as these. So read those verses sometime this week. If God is on our side, who can ever be against us? There's nothing bigger than God. And so you want to be the giant slayer you are, you just focus on the fact, I am not facing this baby by myself. God is with me. Here's the second decision, and they work right together. Giant slayers focus on the promises. They just focus on what God's promised. So take a look at this picture. This, this is linebacker Jordan Campbell, professional linebacker. He's wearing what's called tunnel vision goggles, and they are absolutely amazing. I had to buy myself a pair. So uh, you can buy them at Dick's Sporting Good, or um, I, I ordered mine from Amazon, and they, they are absolutely amazing. All the pros are using them. College athletes are using them. High school athletes are now using them. I've talked to guys in the lobby that said, we're using these. And they were, they were, they were junior high guys that are using them. And you put these babies on, and it's amazing. Here's what's happening. They block your peripheral view. And you know what? My hands could be trash talking me. I can't even see them right now. I know I'm moving them, but I can't see them right now. And it doesn't matter what they're doing. I can't see them. Now, God's not asking us to deny reality but he's asking us to focus on what he's promised. Amen. So these pro baseball players, they're doing their batting practice with these on and their batting averages are going up. And it's all because this causes you not to look at anything but the ball. That's what the pro football players are doing, basketball players are doing it with their shot and it changes everything. And that's what God's asking us to do. Uh, these athletes understand, man, you have to focus in order to become better. You and I need to focus on the promises of God in order to be free. So I thought of, what's one scripture universal that you and I can get our hands on and focus on? And here it is, Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. No weapon forged against Against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication for me, declares the Lord. How many of us are glad? Second Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty says, "All the promises of God are yes for us Christians, and the amen is spoken by us." So listen to what God's saying. God is saying, "No weapon formed against you." 
can beat you. Why? Because God's with us, right? Dinosaurs know God's with us. And then we just begin to look at the promises. So can I give you some help? No matter what you're going through right now, we live in an age that's the most amazing age ever, right? All you have to do is Google anything you want to know. You can go into to your Google search and you can say, I want to see all the promises about God supplying all my needs. Or I want to see all the promises about uh, scriptures about God is a healer. Or all the scriptures about that God will walk me through broken relationships and God will walk me through uh, death and all the ugly things of this earth and he'll walk me through and he'll be with me and he'll take me to the other side. You Google that and there's the promises. You just focus on those babies and they begin to build confidence and security in you and the giant slayer starts to come out of you. So giant slayers know, God's with me, they know what the promises say. And here's number three, and I like this one. Giant slayers are fearless and aggressive and they are. They're absolutely amazingly aggressive. But you know why? They know God's with them and they're focusing on the promises. So it's not them, it's God with them. And so they become very aggressive, very fearless. So I thought, what can I show you to help you see what aggressive and fearless looks like? And, and I had a thought and I, I wondered, I wonder if I can look on YouTube and find a clip. So I just began to look and I found one. It has to do with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And uh, I, they, I watched them play a game in January against the, the Warriors, right? And they had been in the finals three years in a, a row with the Warriors, and the Warriors star is Steph Curry, right? And, and we won one, and they won two, and then last year they cheated, and, uh, you know, they, they, they brought uh, Kevin Durant over. That's cheating. Now, if we would have done it, it would have been genius, right? But they did it, and it's cheating. And so, I, and I, I have to apologize to you. I just really felt convicted today. Because for two years now, anytime I mentioned the Cavs playing the Golden State Warriors, I called Steph Curry Stephanie, and I've just been doing it right from the pulpit. And I had to apologize because I just don't like him because he's not on our team. But if he were on our team, I'd really like him, right? So I'm not going to call Steph Stephanie anymore. I apologize to you, Steph. I know you listen. So, so here we go. Here we go. Listen, listen, listen. They're, they're playing in January of this year, and there is a clip where LeBron and the whole team they are aggressive and fearless. So I want you to see what it's like. Let's watch this really short clip. In the rest of the game, he's going to feel that in the morning. Trying to work it off. Meanwhile, Curry in. Oh, LeBron James with the block from behind. LeBron all over the court. Look to knock it out of the hands of Curry. But it's last touch by James. This is a lot like Deion Sanders' prime time. He played in the NFL. You wouldn't throw it to his side because even if you were past him, he had to catch up speed. How about LeBron? After hurting his ankle, comes in, catches up, and now leads the break. Off the steal from Crowder. Here's James all the way. Yes, and the foul. Hey, can we give it up for the Cavs real quick? Come on, guys. That was awesome. That was awesome. That's aggression. That's fearlessness. And, and giant slayers are aggressive and they're fearless. So I want to tell you a Bible story that to me is one of the most amazing Bible stories after. It's about a, a young man that was 16. So for all of you that are younger, man, don't you allow anything to tell you you can't be a giant slayer because this guy proved it, that any of us can be giant slayers no matter what our age is. And this had to do with the Philistine army and the Israeli army and the Philistines invaded Israeli territory, and they're up on a hill. So the Israeli army comes up on the other hill, and uh, they're going to do battle in the valley. 
But the Israeli army had this giant. His name was Goliath. And for those of you that are new in the Bible, the Bible actually talks about giants. And you know how they were created? Angels disobeyed. They came to the earth. They had relationships with women of the earth. And the Bible says they produced giants who were men of renown. So sometimes some of the mythology stories, some of them have their roots in something that really happened. They did that two times, and then God chained them in this area where nobody else will ever do it because of what God did to those guys for doing it. Well, Goliath is one of their descendants, and, and I know they, he's many generations removed, but he still has angel DNA. So he was nine foot tall. Do you know his spear tip weighed 25 pounds? Just think of a 25-pound dumbbell. And he could pick that baby up and throw it with velocity. He just wasn't tall, guys. He had angel DNA. He probably could bench press 2,000 pounds, which is a lot, you know. He could do anything. Very strong. So he walks out. He's, he's in the Philistine army. He walks down to the valley. He looks at the Israeli army. And he says, why don't you just send your best guy out? We'll fight. And uh, if I win, you're our servants. If your guy wins, we'll be your servants. And... King Saul and all of Israel shaked in their boots, and it happened day after day. Can I just take a moment, get on my bandwagon just for a moment? When I read historical things like this, and there's other things that happened in history, not just in the Bible, I think, what were they thinking? If I was King Saul, I would have gotten a 1,000 archers when Goliath came out the first day. I would have said, let's shoot that boy. And I just would have shot a 1,000 arrows. It would have been death by a 1,000 arrows, and it would have been... That took care of that giant. He's not going to survive a thousand arrows coming at him, right? Now I got to get off that. I just don't understand it. And they're shaking in their boots. They're shaking in their boots. I mean, it's war. You don't have to be fair in war, right? You, you just take the guy out. So, so um, it's all going on, right? They're afraid day after day, shaking in their boots. And then this little guy, 16, David, he's still a shepherd boy, hasn't become king. Just a little 16-year-old. The Bible says he was ruddy. And, and he, his dad says, bring your Bring your brother some food. So he brings food. The time he comes, Goliath is out there trash talking. And he hears it. Here's what he does the first time. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would defy the armies of the living God? I need to translate that. Circumcision was the sign that Israel was in covenant with God. The fact that God said, I'll be your God. I'll fight for you. That was a big promise. And he said, this guy's not circumcised. He's not in covenant with God. God's not going to help him. And I don't care how big he is. God's on our side. And David's really aggressive. His brothers are telling him, you're a show off and go back to the sheep and all that kind of stuff. David wouldn't stop. So finally, King Saul heard there's this guy here that said he'll go out and fight him. And King Saul's shocked. So he brings David in. And I want you to just hear this conversation. It's amazing. You'll see aggressiveness and fearness, uh, fearlessness. Uh, 1 Samuel 17, 32. Don't worry about a thing, David told him. I'll take care of this Philistine. He's a giant. Now, <laughs> he's a 16-year-old little kid. Um, Saul responds. Listen to this. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. How can a kid like you fight with a man like him? You are only a boy, and he has been in the army since he was a boy. He doesn't know David's focusing on the fact God's with me. Focuses on the fact no weapon formed against me will prevail, and he knows God's with me. So he, he goes and he shares with Saul. Listen to this. He says in verse 34, but David persisted. When I was taking care of my father's sheep, he said, and a lion or a bear comes and grabs the lamb from the flock, verse 35, I go after it with a club and take the lamb from its mouth. If it turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Verse 36, I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this heathen or uncircumcised Philistine too, for he has defied the armies 
of the living God. That's fearlessness. And I got to thinking about this, and you know what? I don't care who you are. None of us in this room, no matter how big and tough you are, and we have some big and tough guys in this room, none of us can grab a lion by the jaw without it biting our hands off, right? And then club it to death. And think about the primitive club he probably had. None of us could do that. But here's what David's saying. God helped me. His strength came on me. And I did it to a lion and I did it to a bear. And this giant is nothing because I'm going to go out there with the strength of God. Giant slayers know God's with them and that God has made promises. And, and Saul saw what he said and he, was, he had so much confidence coming at him and fearlessness and aggression. Saul said, go get him, David. So David walks out, and there's some trash talk going on, right? Goliath sees David, and he says, what am I, a dog that you send this ruddy little kid out here? And then he looks at David, and he says, today I'm going to cut your body into many pieces, and I'm going to throw them to the ravens. And if I was David, I'd be like, whoop, get, to get back to my sheep, man, really fast. That's crazy. But don't your giants talk to you like that? Don't our valleys talk to us? They're trash-talking us all the time. That's why we have to focus on the fact God's with us and focus on the fact that he's made us promise, and one of them is no weapon formed against us will prevail. So David's not afraid. You know what he says? He looks at Goliath, and he says, listen, big boy. He says, this day, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut your head off, and then we're going to defeat your whole army. And Goliath was so mad, he came running at David to kill him. Here's David. Here's what he does. 1 Samuel 17, 48. As Goliath approached, David ran out to meet him. Verse 49, reaching into a shepherd's bag, took out a stone, hurled it from his sling, and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and the man fell on his face to the ground. David jumped on him, grabbed Goliath's sword, cut his head off, held it up. The Israeli army went crazy, and they, they did exactly what David said they would do. But was it David? wasn't David. It was David and his God. It was David and God, and it was David focusing on the promises of God. And yes, David was aggressive because he knew God was with him. And as I close this out today, guys, I just want us to be a people. I want us to be the children of God that when we are in situations that are dark and gloomy, those valleys, when we're facing giants, I, fear, I feel fear. I'm like all of you. But then what we do, because we're giant slayers, right? We focus on the promises of God. We remind ourselves that God's with us. And the Bible says when God's with us, there's nothing at all that is impossible. Let me ask a question in, in all, of our, all of our meeting rooms. How many of us are excited that God is on our side and no weapon formed against us can prosper? Can we just give it up for a moment, guys? I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. It's ministered life to me, and it's ministering life to all of us. Can we bow our heads, close our eyes? Let's pray. Borman, TCI, let's pray, guys. Let's pray. Let's pray. Nothing's bigger than God. Nothing's bigger than our God. No valley we can't walk through come out on the other side stronger than when we walked in. No situation is bigger than God. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And guys, I just want to encourage you. I know God's speaking life and infusing life and confidence into hearts. And I just want to remind you this week, man, don't let darkness swallow you up. Don't let your situation swallow you up. Don't let the giants bring fear into your life. But keep reminding yourself that God is with you. Who can be against you? 
and keep looking at those promises and you'll rise up in aggression and you'll walk through any battle you have to walk through and you'll begin to trash talk the thoughts that are coming into your head. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm gonna allow God to keep ministering, but maybe someone walked into Boardman or TCI. Maybe you're visiting tonight. Uh, someone invited you there at TCI or you're here in our Warren campus and maybe it's your first time here. Maybe you've been here a couple times, but you're not sure if you're forever. I wanna give you a chance to be sure because there's some promises about that, right? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord, God will save them. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the one that's saves our soul. And if we accept him, heaven becomes our future destination. God becomes our father. And if you're listening right now and you say, I can't remember a day when I accepted Christ, I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. And listen, I know some of you grew up in church and that's a good thing. Some of you were water baptized as babies and adults. That's a good thing. And others, you didn't know God at all. But listen, the question I'm asking is not have you been in church join another church, I'm asking, can you remember a day when you prayed and accepted Christ as your Savior? I'll never forget that day in my life. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're in one of these rooms and you say, hey, I can't remember that day, but I'm ready to pray. Would you pray with us right now? Everyone else, can we pray with them? Let, let them hear us pray this prayer and just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I need a Savior. And this day, I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins, that God raised you from the grave, that you are the Savior. This day, I give you my heart and make a decision to follow you. Thanks for saving my soul. <laughs> Amen. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen up. If you prayed that prayer, according to the Bible, miracles happen. All your sins were washed away. God gave you the gift of eternal life. It's amazing. You may not have felt anything, but it happened. Something else is happening right now. You can't see it. We'll see it someday. But the Bible says God himself and all of heaven are celebrating if just one person on this planet accepts Christ. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.